glad to be a part of this webinar. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you all and, and certainly look forward to seeing you all, the ones of you all that can make it to Atlanta and uh, come to the Capitol uh, this week for our um, presentation. So we're very much looking forward. So what we thought we'd do is this, this webinar is designed to sort of take you through um, how the political process works, the legislative process, uh, give you some hints on how you can reach out and be a better advocate and work with your uh, legislators and elected officials down in the Capitol. So uh, with that, I'll go ahead and kind of go through a few slides we've prepared for you about things that we think you might uh, have an interest in. So, uh, you know, we talk about what is grassroots advocacy. Uh, it's building relationships with lawmakers and putting a human face on your legislative interests, compelling personal stories, influencing outcomes, strength in numbers. So, you know, generally speaking, if you think about the General Assembly and you think about legislators, there are 180 members of the House of Representatives and 56 senators. And even though Georgia is a very big state, we're the sixth largest state in the country with little over 10 million people. If you think about who actually gets involved in the political process, it's a, a very small number. Uh, out of uh, a typical House member will, will represent something between 55,000 and 60,000 people, and a senator will represent between 170, 175,000 people. So it sounds like a lot still, if you break it down to who actually turns out and votes, who goes to the polls, a very small number of people. So in a House district with 55,000 people, uh, probably only 35,000 of them are actually eligible to vote, of which only about 60% are registered to vote. And if you look at the actual turnout in primaries, uh, and, and just to give you an idea, we, you probably don't even realize it, but we have a primary coming up May the 24th, which every member of the General Assembly is facing re-election. You look at the actual turnout in those primaries in May, you're probably talking about less than 20% of that number of registered voters. So you're talking about a very, very small number of people. So if they can meet someone who lives in his or her district, these legislators are very much influenced by those, those individuals. Uh, because if you bother to come down to the Capitol, shake their, their hand, tell them who you are, tell them about what your interests are, uh, it, it's a very meaningful thing. So if you think about in terms of influencing uh, the outcome of uh, the political process, you can do actually a lot. And people don't think one vote matter, matters, but it really does, especially in terms of advocacy. Um, so we talk about making a difference. Uh, and the power of the constituency, and I've sort of alluded to that with the numbers of people who turn out. So it's, it's very, very important that we participate in this process. Uh, and, and the good news is not many people do. Uh, and, and so by, by doing what we're doing is being a member of AIA, uh, attending the day at the Capitol, coming down there, meeting your legislator, uh, and participating in the PAC process, which we'll talk about later, it all has a huge, huge effect. So a little bit about, um, I'm sure you've all seen the, uh, the cartoon, how a bill becomes a law. Well, in Georgia, the, uh, the process is very, very similar to the, the federal process. Uh, a bill um, in, in the General Assembly, we only meet uh, 40 day, legislative days a year. Uh, our session always begins the second Monday in January. And uh, well, they meet for 40 days. Does it mean 40 consecutive days? It means 40 days that they actually call into session. So this year, our session uh, began in January, but it will end March the 24th. Uh, and much like uh, the way a, a bill becomes a law in, uh, at the federal level, uh, a legislator, any one of the 180 House members or 56 senators can introduce a bill. 
the bill is uh, has to be read what they call three times. At the first reading, the bill is recommended to a committee. Uh, that committee has a various has a various internal processes. Some committees have subcommittees, uh, but it, generally speaking, the bill is debated. And if the bill is passed out favorably out of that committee, it'll move on to the um, rules committee. And at that point, it, it will either uh, move to the floor of the House or the Senate for for debate, and if it passes one chamber, it'll go to the other chamber. We have a, um, a requirement in Georgia that a bill must have passed at least one chamber by the 30th legislative day. This year, that day falls on February the 29th. Uh, we call that crossover day. So you kind of see this slow buildup where the first two weeks are very slow during the session, maybe three weeks, four weeks that we're in. We're at, we're at day 21 on tomorrow. To give you a sense, we've got nine days to pass a bill out of one chamber or the other. But as we get close to that 30th day, you see a real frenzy as everyone realizes they're coming up against a deadline. It's no different than when, when you were in school or you have a work deadline. Uh, you tend to sort of push things off to the last minute, and then you have a flurry of activity to try to get things done as the deadline hits. The bill passes one chamber or the other and, and then passes the second chamber and doesn't have any changes. It then moves on to the governor for his signature. Uh, in Georgia, the governor doesn't have what they have at the federal level. The president has what they call pocket veto. The governor has 40 days from um, the, the end of the legislative session, which is called sine die. Uh, during that period, uh, the governor can either sign a bill um, or if he takes some action, the bill automatically becomes law. So the governor doesn't have a pocket veto. Uh, this governor has been, um, uh, unlike, unlike, unlike the previous governor, hasn't used the uh, veto pen very, very often, and generally will sign most bills um, that are passed by the General Assembly, with the exception of bills that the governor deems unconstitutional or has inherent problems. Uh, sometimes you, you add, they actually pass a bill out of the General Assembly, and they realize they've made some type of an error, and they actually will request the bill to be vetoed by the governor. So those are the types of things that go on during that 40-day uh, veto period. And I, I can see, by the way, um, on my screen if you ask any questions and what I thought we'd do is go through the presentation and so if you want to go ahead and start typing questions uh, now or if you have any questions you can go ahead and queue them up and that way I can kind of think through uh, some of the some of the um, parts of this presentation that I need to maybe fill in a little bit. Um, we talk about tips for success and and you think about what the mission statement is for AIA um, you know the, your AIA is your trade association it is, I believe there's something around the number of 2,000 members, so it's a very strong trade association. You have lots of great members, uh, and participation uh, in the association has a huge impact on what goes down in the capital. Um, and we, we've been working with, uh, with your AIA leadership for some time, and, and we've been talking about how we strengthen that uh, voice down in the capital and how we strengthen and leverage your, um, your membership. So we, we, we certainly are going to keep refining that as, as we go along in this representation. Um, and we're certainly, uh, um, I think we're having a huge effect. As an example, uh, last year uh, in the 2015 session, there was a bill dealing with public-private partnerships. Uh, we were able to insert specific language that was very specific to architects. Um, and um, uh, out of that legislation was a committee that's going to look at um, guidelines for developing these projects, and we specifically were allowed to place an architect on that committee. Um, and so we, we we feel like we're having a lot of impact on at, at this at this juncture, and we hope to have even more as we go forward. 
Um, so we talk about grassroots and nuts and bolts and how it works. And you have to think about things like what do you want, who should uh, who should you ask, how should you ask, and uh, and how should you follow up. So those are all great things to sort of think about as we go through this presentation and some of the bills that we're going to highlight. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, coming down to the Capitol and 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 that, you know the 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 actual process of meeting a legislator and how, how we would set that up. But first, I want to talk about a few bills that we've seen that, that we, we deemed were important and particularly of interest to architects. The first one's House Bill 943, relating to the illegal and void contracts generally, so as to provide additional limitations on identification and duty to defend clauses which are void and unenforceable in contracts for engineering and architectural services. And what it, basically what this boils down to is um, this bill would make it illegal for for um, for your potential clients to force you to sign a contract with broad form indemnification. Uh, you would still have your normal indemnification that you're familiar with. But what we're seeing is some jurisdictions are requiring architects and engineers uh, to find uh, to sign contracts with broad form indemnification clauses in them. Uh, it's very very problematic from the standpoint that. Um, Many many firms really don't have the ability to to enter into these uh, to this type of uh, indemnification without basically putting their entire company's balance sheet at risk, and and this indemnification is very different than the the type of professional liability you, you coverage you probably have. This would this uh, these projects we're seeing uh, would require you to take on risk for the entire project even after the design phase, uh, and it would take. Uh, the, the risk would be for, for every aspect of the project, which many architects don't have control over. So what it really boils down to is that you should only have to sign contracts um, and, 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 and you should only be indemnified um, or should only have liability for the portions of the project you can control. And essentially, that's what this bill seeks to do. Uh, we hope to get a um, hearing on this bill in house insurance. And this is sort of one of the nuances of the legislative process. This bill is, a, we believe, is an insurance bill, but it could have been assigned to the House Judiciary Committee, which would have been very unfavorable to us. Uh, that committee is um, um, very much controlled by trial lawyers. Uh, this type of legislation, but at the end of the day, uh, our hope is that. Um, we can get a hearing for it, a hearing for this bill on house insurance. It was an indication the speaker uh, certainly listening to us when we asked him to, to one of the nuances of the legislative process that not only do you need a sponsor uh, to, to the bill, but you need to make sure that the leadership that's favorable to the passage of that. Another bill we're watching is House Bill 966. It's related to the control of soil erosion sediment. Uh, and, and this really is a stream buffer bill. Uh, it relates to a recent um, Supreme Court decision with um, how you measure stream buffers. And, um, and, and this bill can be very, this is because of the way they, they wrote the bill. Um, it's very interesting um, that um, there's a specific clause in the bill that says that uh, the, the stream buffer could be measured by debris around the stream area, and and you know that's I think that could cause the um, buildable area to 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 shrink, 
And as you're working with clients that are real estate development uh, developers in particular, you'll see them. It'll make it much harder to develop a project if they're having to deal with string buffers and whatnot. So um, this is a bill we're watching very closely. Uh, we want to make sure that um, the, 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 the stream buffers are limited and, and, and certainly don't um, equate essentially a illegal, what we view as an illegal taking of, of, of property. And so we certainly side with property uh, property owners' rights. And we think that anytime the government intrudes on these, we have to be very, very careful. So we're, we're very interested in this bill and we're hoping to um, refine the language as this bill moves along. <clears throat> Uh, this is a bill, House Bill 592 is a bill being um, supported by the ACEC, which is the engineering community. Uh, so in, in many cases, we are very closely aligned with them. And, and in this case, we're sort of just watching. We're agnostic to some degree of this bill. All it really does is creates another level of certification uh, th throughout the, uh, for, for an engineer, uh, if they specifically want to be licensed as a uh, structural engineer. So it'll be interesting to see how the General Assembly uh, proceeds with this bill. Um, this particular General Assembly has been unfavorable to additional government restrictions or licensing restrictions. And so it's interesting to see how they handle this. Again, we're sort of watching this. This is an ACEC bill, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be very curious to see where it goes. Uh, HR 1017 is a constitutional amendment. Uh, it authorizes local boards of education to oppose levy and collect development impact fees and use proceeds to pay for a share cost of additional education facilities provide for submission of this amendment for ratification or rejection. So this is a constitutional amendment, which means it has a very, very high bar for passage. It requires a two-thirds majority of both the House and Senate and would require passage of a uh, referendum by the voters of Georgia. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, uh, where this bill goes. I don't think this bill will move. Um, it, the way the, the, the bill was written and the um, um, in the constitutional amendment and both and the and the uh, and the accompanying um, enabling act, uh, it limits the bill uh, to uh, school districts that have 15% of growth or more per year for the last three years. It really limits it to Fulton County schools, uh, uh, Cherokee County schools, and Forsyth County schools. Um, I think you'll see the development community generally opposed to this bill uh, because uh, again. It, it, there's a potential levy of fee, um, development fees. They see that these impact fees as costly. And so if you think about it, if you're going to develop a large uh, apartment complex or at any rate, um, uh, I'm not sure I left off, but um, um, I don't think H.R. 1017 will pass this year. Um, uh, but it'll be very interesting to see how the development community pushes back on it. As I was saying about the uh, impact fees, if you think about if you built a high-rise condo and there are going to be a lot of school kids in that in that particular development uh, and it, it required, uh, you know, a school to have a thousand new seats, a thousand uh, seat school building could cost 15, 20, 30 million dollars. So those impact fees could be significant. So I think that we're we're watching that pretty closely to see where that goes. But again, I don't think this bill is moving anywhere. House, House Bill 59 is an interesting bill that we've been tracking. It was actually uh, passed last year in the 2015 session of the House, did not pass out of the Senate. It's currently awaiting um, uh, debate in the Senate Judiciary Committee. And it really deals with uh, a Supreme Court decision that, um, that struck uh, or, or uh, struck down um, uh, some issues dealing with sovereign immunity and actually made it um, 
um, very, very much impossible to to sue a, a governmental jurisdiction. But as the General Assembly is looking to to, um, to put those powers back in, and we're certainly watching that very closely because many, many architects do business with governmental entities. Um, having sovereign immunity is a powerful tool for those governmental entities, uh, and so we certainly want to watch this bill very closely, and we're 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 going to see where this goes. Uh, Senate Bill 321 is related to commerce and trade. Uh, state government uh, effectively so as to protect public certain information uh, to expand additional consumption data and to change certain provisions related to restrictions on public disclosure of certain customer account information. What this really boils down to is if many of you were following the sustainability requirements the city of Atlanta put out uh, and, and, and came to a conclusion last year, uh, you probably are very familiar with where this bill is going. Essentially, what the city of Atlanta did was it required that the private sector, it, along with the government sector, um, produce information on their um, their utility spending. And, and, the, and the purpose of this was so that these uh, private buildings that may not be um, operating at the most efficient possible levels, uh, all of this data would be exposed. Uh, maybe many of these people in the private sector would want to um, um, start to upgrade those facilities, whether it's HVAC up, changing the uh, exterior, uh, or other things that they may want to do um, to to improve their um, um, uh, utility ratings. And 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 what this bill seeks to do is is to provide that all of that information, all of those that utility information is basically protected against open records. And then that's, it's an interesting place for us to be in because certainly there's a lot of work that can be uh, created for architects as these buildings continue to upgrade their facilities or even um, new buildings come online that have um, um, uh, greater efficiencies. Certainly that's, that's an, an area of interest for many, many architects. But at the same time, uh, many people in the in, in the, the building community, the people who own the buildings are very much opposed to this uh, or, or supportive of this bill, I should say, because they want, they feel like that data is should be protected and should not be eligible for open records. So it'll be interesting to see where this bill goes. Uh, I think you're going to see the city of Atlanta push back on this bill, and you certainly see a lot of people who are um, property rights advocates would be supporting this bill, uh, in particular BOMA, which is the building owner's um, association uh, is very, very supportive of this bill. So we talked a little bit about um, fighting out or coming down to the Capitol. And again, I hope, hope all of you are going to be able to come down uh, this week. Uh, but there's a great app if you uh, have a smartphone. I think it, I know it works on iPhones. I'm not sure if it works on Samsung. Uh, it's called Open States. Uh, and I highly recommend you download the app. It's a free app. Uh, and it, it actually is good for all 50 states. <clears throat> Uh, and in it, you can uh, look up your legislator. You can type in your, your address, or if you're at home, just simply say, look up you know, the legislator for this address now, and it'll tell you who your House, the Senate member is. <clears throat> it tells a little bit about their background. So it's a very, it's a very powerful app. We, we recommend that you download it if you don't already have it. Um, and, and, and when you come down to the Capitol, um, it'll give you a little picture of, of your legislator. So it's just a very helpful tool for you to have. Um, and, and it gives you some background on, on these legislators. Um, 
So what should you ask about? Your job is to bring your issues to the forefront of uh, your legislators' minds. Uh, you want to introduce uh, and, and give some background on yourself. You want to tell them what, you, what you're advocating for. You want to tell them what you want. And, and you want to you know, ask them for something, uh, whether it's to get to know them better, whether it's to meet them for coffee when the General Assembly is done or whatever it is. And certainly you want to uh, invite them to come by for our luncheon, which is room 230 of the Capitol, whenever they adjourn uh, that day. So um, those are some of the things that we want to you want to do have the com has, have as part of your conversation with these uh, legislators. So we sort of put this thing in the sort of the things to not do. Um, um, don't hand them a gigantic 800 pound uh, 800 page report. They hate to do that. They they like one pagers and they certainly don't want to read a whole lot of materials. And don't assume that they know about the bills that we just talked about. Um, there there are 2,000 plus bills introduced in the House and Senate. It's unlikely they're going to know about the details of one bill unless they're one of the sponsors or co-sponsors. Don't, don't say, I don't want to have an appointment, but, I, but you know, I'll be brief. Um, um, when you're going in to see these legislators, you don't want them, you don't want to try to barge in. You want to be respectful of their time. Uh, you want to make appointments if you can or schedule something with them when they're not in session. Uh, so certainly be respectful. Uh, no, I don't really need anything specific. Uh, you know, you don't want to waste their time. I mean, even if the specific thing is I want to meet with you after the session because I'm a voter and I want to get to know more about what your issues are, what you stand on several issues. And no, I don't just represent anyone from your district. I just thought I'd be interested in hearing to say they really do care about the voters in their district. So the more you can relate it back to the district, even if you don't necessarily live specifically in the district, but you might live in the same county, uh, you might have uh, a, a similar interest. Of them, so try to relate it back to them and their constituency. Um, how should you follow up? Most advocates do not follow up, and that's a big thing that we really, really push for. And we'll talk a little bit about the PAC again uh, with policymakers. Um, and and, and the first thing to do is, you know, come up with a plan for follow up. Whether it's have a business card, uh, whether it's talk about, you know, you want to see them afterwards. Get their contact information. And, uh, and and offer to be a resource to them. And, and you know, you, you have a you represent a very specific industry with some very specific interests. And so I think they'll be um, they'll be very interested in, in meeting you, especially if you're, you're you live in their district. Um, so logistics of getting the capital. The address is 206 Washington Street. Um, and we'll in this PowerPoint, there are some parking instructions specific. So I encourage you to look back through it and um, and and. Um, be prepared to park. It's five dollars for the whole day. You can do cash or credit card, and so um, certainly be prepared for that. As far as getting messages into your legislators, uh, so during the during the session, they generally go in about 10 a.m. They spend about 30 minutes till 10 to 10:30 doing ceremonial activities. They'll do a prayer of the day. They'll introduce the doctor of the day. They might do some resolutions during that period. You can't send messages in, but if you want to reach your legislator. Um, during that period while they're in session, while they're debating bills, in front of the House and Senate galleries, there are um, pages. And these pages, uh, we've got a, a sort of what you see there, the, the yellow note, the white note. Um, it sounds very old school, but that's the way it still works. You would fill in your name, your information, and who you want to meet with. You'd send it, uh, the, one of these pages, you know, a 10, 12, 13-year-old kid then rushes the, the note in to the legislator's desk and hopefully they're there. And if they are, they'll come out and you get to talk to them for a few minutes and go over, you know, some of the things we talked about again, you know, keeping it brief, 
uh, talking to, um, to telling them who you are and, and specifically if you're in their district, um, making sure they know that you know, you'd like to be a resource and you would like to meet them after the session's over. Uh, so we're very excited about our advocacy day. Uh, we have some very exciting speakers. Uh, Representative Stacey Abrams is the minority lead in the House. Uh, she's a very, very bright uh, individual. I encourage you to use your Open States app or just go on the legislative website and look at her bio. Uh, she is a, um, um, an attorney who uh, practices law but also has a couple of different business interests. She also is a um, novelist and has uh, written a, no a series of novels, of uh, fictional novels, um, under a uh, pseudonym. So she's a very interesting person. I think you'll like to meet her. Uh, Representative Ron Stevens is uh, chairman of the Economic Development Committee uh, in the Georgia House of Representatives. He is a retired pharmacist from Savannah and that's someone who has been a great friend of, of AIA. Uh, last year in the 2015 session, he increased the tax credits for historic redevelopment from $10 million uh, per project to $100 million. That means there are some significant projects that can be jumped up, jump started because of that. Uh, so he'll be able to tell us a little bit about um, his um, tax credit and how it can help you jumpstart a project in your area. And then Dwayne Garris, who's a Georgia State Fire Marshal, uh, he's going to update us on some of the latest changes in the fire marshals in the, in the code on, on, on that issue. And certainly that has an impact on, on, on the way you design projects. Uh, as I mentioned, um, there is uh, several parking decks you can park at um, to access this capital. <coughs> This uh, website uh, here on the at, on our PowerPoint can point you in the right direction. Certainly encourage you to carpool or take MARTA. Uh, the Five Points MARTA station is not far. E the actual closest MARTA station is um, the um, Georgia State MARTA station, and it puts you up right into the Twin Towers building, which is immediately across the street from the Capitol. Uh, Five Points is probably three or four blocks away, but depending on how you, you prefer to use MARTA and you don't want to change lines, it, it, it could be a little easier to go. Um, weather should be better this week, so we're hoping it's not going to be as cold as we had this last week, and so the walk shouldn't be too, too bad in the Capitol. And then here's a, this slide has a more detailed um, um, map of the Capitol, and, uh, and we're meeting in room uh, 230 of the Capitol, which is on the second floor, and it's pretty easy to find. Uh, and so this is your team. Uh, again, my name is Don Boley. I'm here with Laura Norton and Jennifer Winkler. We're very proud to have the opportunity to represent you all. We've got our cell phone numbers uh, on this uh, slide. So please feel free to reach out to us, call us, uh, whether it's this week when you're coming down or certainly when the session's over. Uh, we've, we've really enjoyed having the opportunity to represent AIA. Uh, we've got some interesting issues coming up this, this session, and we are certainly going to be preparing for uh, um, um, the 2017 session after this one ends in, in March. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to talk about is your political action committee. I've alluded to it a couple times. It's a great uh, tool for us uh, when we're trying to help out legislators who have been very uh, effective for us, but it's also been great for us to develop relationships. And, and so um, AIA ha um, Georgia has changed the process for which you can now give, um, I, it, you can now do it through your normal um, um, billing process when you uh, sign up for your renewal for uh, membership in AIA or if you're signing up for the first time either way, 
you can have uh, an opportunity to, to, to give to the PAC at that point. So we're very excited about that. Um, your leadership team, your AIA board is a very hardworking board. They've done a terrific job in helping, giving us a lot of direction on how to um, move forward on a lot of different and complicated issues. Um, so with that, I'm glad to turn it over to any questions you all might have. Uh, I don't see anything queued up at this point, but I'm certainly glad to um, go through um, any questions you might have or talk about any of the specific bills that, that we discussed. Lynn, did you want to add anything to this or did you want to have any, uh, did you have any questions you think they may, they may want me to go through? Um, I guess uh, Charles Green, he asked about the schedule. Um, so I guess I might go over that while we're all here. Um, so if you well, are, I can't hear you for some oh, can you hear me now? Uh oh. Can you hear me all? Can you hear me? Uh oh. Muted. <coughs> well, I can't. Um, I can't hear Lynn. I don't know if she has any specific questions. Um, or Lynn, if you want to type something on the uh, questions um, slide, I'm glad to respond to it. But at this point, I think that's pretty much wraps up our presentation and this webinar. Um, I'm glad to visit with you all um, this week at the Capitol, and we look forward to having a terrific day at the Capitol.